0: Hi guys, we're back for season 5. Just like Cobra Kai on Netflix, we're back. Previous amazing season 5s include Breaking Bad, Peep Show, and maybe The Simpsons. So let's see if our standard can match those classic TV shows. Although this isn't a TV show, this is a podcast. I am Fran, your co-host. And this week, we are discussing the world of New Romantics, Japan, and Spandau Ballet. We will choose one as overrated and one as underrated, make a playlist, and then discuss. And I hope you will have a lovely time listening to us.
1: Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast?
0: (laughs) Was it over-underrated?
1: Over-underrated.
0: Welcome back to a new season of Over Underrated. It is I, Fran, and I'm with my co-host, Babs. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing fantastically, Fran. I rediscovered a French new metal band from my youth called Acme yesterday after introducing them to a french person who i'd never heard of and that's what i've been listening to today and i've been scream shouting nostalgically all day spelt
0: spelt like in the marvel not marvel warner brothers cartoons so i
1: I wonder if that's where it comes from no it's spelt capital a small q big m big e uh so i highly recommend checking out the song scene exists pas. Uh, it's it's very good, uh, but yeah, it's you know I felt very kind of let's say superior introducing a French band to a to a French person, and I think you know it's it's new metal, but I guess you know towards the metal it's it's kind of heavy, so it's a mm. band that I always liked, but um, haven't really gone back to because you really have to be in the mood. Um, but yeah, oh, apparently it comes from the ancient Greek word acme, meaning the climax or turning point of something. Mm.
0: Oh, lovely stuff. I have um, been listening to. The Killers, because I saw The Killers live last night, and I yeah he did need to re- review them, so I had to listen back to their back catalogue. It was jolly good, although I'm not a big fan of stadium shows. So where was it? At uh, Southampton Football Club Stadium. Oh. It was like thirty thousand people, but you feel the disconnect, and you feel like you know I'm watching the screen more than Brandon. It's yeah. just me watching a DVD. In a, in a big audience. But, you know, but when they sing the big hit, is like, you know, I've got soul and everyone sings along to that, and you, you feel a bit of love. But mm-hmm. it did feel like I was... But my problem with stadium gigs is, get, is that you get non-music fans and yes. you get people who know the four songs. Twass yes the tracks who pay like 125 pounds to chat through most of the gig apart from the four songs they know Mm -hmm. and then i know that when they leave and they get asked about the concert they say oh it's shit i only only knew four songs and that sort of frustrating thing so
1: yeah i don't know if we talked about this uh on mic but uh, my friend stephanie and riku they went to see pet shop boys Mm. and apparently there was someone who was on her phone watching the news Fucking hell. I i really I think it's it's the one thing that I already feel so old about of like, if you've paid good money to stand near the front and talk through it, fuck off and listen at home. And I I think it's only gonna get worse.
0: Mm. But also like we're in the, the day when you can find out basically what songs they're gonna play beforehand. So the least you can do is just listen to what songs they may be playing by night. And and it'd be more interesting for yourself. If you know the songs beforehand, you may enjoy it more. But I think
1: Fran you're presuming that everyone is into, as as into music as we are you know I think some people don't go to that many concerts and they just see it as any other kind of show or maybe they're more used to going to you know free free concerts or more casual things and and don't know the etiquette again it never <laughs> sounded so Tory in my life
0: speaking. Speaking of, of Tories. Speaking <laughs> of Tories and 80s-inspired artists, um, what is the theme today, Babs?
1: So is it 80s? Is it New Wave? What do you think?
0: We, I mean, I, I think we could be hardcore and say it's New Romantic.
1: Oh, I like mm. it. Yes, New Romantic. Indeed. And we're talking one of the Bayer Moths. No, not that one. The other one, Spando Ballet. Of course, you know, we, we're we not going to talk about Duran Duran in, in any negative way, I think, they're they're one of the, you know, Depeche Mode, Radiohead we've done so far on specials. I'm sure a Duran Duran special isn't that far away for mm-hmm. us. Um, and then, Fran, you're going to be talking about a band that I really don't know very much about. But are they, if I am to understand correctly, one of your favorite bands? Japan? Uh, well, see, you, know, do, you have a, do
0: you have a band that you love when they're great? But they're not great a lot of the time. Oh yeah. So so Grimes. I I probably like a quarter of Japan's discography, but I love that quarter. So for me to say they're my favorite band, no, I do skip a lot of songs.
1: Mm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So when they when they're great, I adore them, but they may only have twenty songs across the whole catalog I like. So I can't say they're and one yet, of my favorite bands.
1: And yet you still say they're underrated. So interesting. Well, yeah,
0: underrated to regarding chart success and the average Joe. So I've mentioned uh in the last few days i'm talking about japan and surprise by is not one person has heard of him so regarding have they that... heard of
1: david sylvian though because i My... had heard of david sylvian okay. despite not realizing that that's you know he was the singer of...
0: but shall we go to Spandal first i
1: actually don't know how you feel about this band fran when, when we were discussing who was going to put together the playlist uh you you asked me but then i said you probably know them better but i don't really know where you stand so who are Spando ballet and how do you feel about them
0: oh so spander ballet uh london's finest 80s band so they i guess famously they were the house band for steve Strange's blitz club um uh, which was where the new romantic scene or futurist scene however you'd like to describe it happened and it was you know after punk it was like hey let's express ourselves with not violence but with makeup and being theatrical and dressing like the heroes from the past i can be robin hood i can be a flamingo i could be you know well <laughs> a 19th century Dapper, that sort of thing and and they you know so they would dress up in you know um full makeup and, uh, and tony hadley would, would carry hunting binoculars with him while singing and you know it was all la da and well fantastic and they brought a sort of a new style to the sort of new wave image so you know it was like synthesizers and funky bass it was like it was rock music you could you could dance to and um so Spanda ballet were like the, one of the hippest bands in london in 1980 before Duran Duran and you know all the other bands joined so i knew that but then there's other the other side of, of spander ballet you know which is the uh the true and gold side of uh, Spanda Ballet, which is like, you know, if in the UK, the Radio 2 sound of (laughs) Spanda Ballet. So I think that they were probably cool for like two years and then (laughs) changed uh, drastically and then got worse as the 80s went on, to be fair. So I like maybe a few singles, but they... I I used to get frustrated when people compared them to Duran Duran because like, come on, guys, like... Everything about Duran Duran outshines Spandal Ballet, like the videos, the, uh, the music, definitely. So I don't know why they were hit head to head because. Probably because mean,
1: it's five members and they're all quite androgynous. That's that's one of the. And, and because they were so big, right? Yeah, but uh, what was
0: interesting l- listen, listening back is that the uh, Ballet's second album only hit number 15 in the chart. So they really weren't. Like in 1982, Duran Duran released Rio, was one of the biggest albums in the whole world, and Spandau Ballet released Diamond, which got to number 15. It had like two just top 40 hits. So it's like, yeah, I, I guess True uh, tr- tr- saved them, basically. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on those band ballet? So,
1: yeah, we were more of a Duran Duran house, for sure, uh, compared to Spandau Ballet. And they're one of those bands where I basically only knew Gold and True for a very long time. I think greatest hits might have been purchased at some point not by me and i discovered a bit more so i knew i think half the songs that you that you've got on on the playlist and i yeah i i enjoyed kind of going through this playlist and doing a bit of research about them because i hadn't realized how nightlife oriented they were and how that was so key to their success. So it's kind of like they played one song at one bar, and then suddenly, like all the record labels were fighting over them, which was mad. And I found it very, very funny that. Uh, so what Steve Dagger suggested Martin Kemp should be come in, should come in as the band because he got loads of attention, <laughs> when as the roadie when uh, he when he was the roadie for the Makers, uh, some like that is that is quite funny. That he's just bought in for attractiveness, but he is he's a very good bass player. On on listening to this. I think I realized my god Tony Hadley's voice is so good like it really is so so good and I think it is a kind of crooner voice but somehow works well whatever they're doing for the for the most for the most part and I hate his Tory politics and the fact he voted for Brexit but I can I can overlook that because he's got a lush lush voice uh we talked beforehand about martin Kemp being Stephen is that i knew i knew him in that respect before i knew him as spando ballet and i never saw the craze did you see the craze with with martin and gary how, how is it
0: uh it feels very uh low-budget british so <laughs> nothing as, as high-tech as uh is it legend the uh tom hardy version
1: but that's not meant to be very good no. is it <laughs>
0: but this i think i think actually that i saw the craze having no idea it was *Banned the ballet because i probably was about 11 years old so i didn't put, put, put the link together yeah
1: because it was 1990 or something right so so yeah and then obviously we have to mention gary kemp's podcast which is ha- having like a massive mm-hmm. success i'm a of big rock, fan rock I have not listened to a single episode yet. I think so. Yeah, if if I were to, which where would you recommend starting? Well, it's
0: almost as good as this uh, podcast. Uh, so basically, <laughs> yes. I, he's spoken to every single person he's ever worked with. So, you know, like mm. from uh, Noel Gallagher to Tears, of Fears to Simple Minds. Mm-hmm. You think of a of a band from from the eighties and nineties. They're basically on there because they started the knockdown. So obviously, you know, everyone had a free time before touring was allowed. So yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. just. Just go round and, and pick whoever you like and it'll be a, a decent interview. Well, there we
1: go. And yeah, I think I vaguely remembered the court case, mm. right? Because it seems that Gary Camp was the main songwriter and they all went to court, but then all managed to reform. What's what's the story behind so, that? yeah, So what yeah, happened?
0: so the The other three, meaning not the Kemp's, uh, tried to mm-hmm. sue um, Gary for allegedly he promised them royalties for songwriting, and then obviously when the money started to dry up in the late nineties, <laughs> they mm-hmm. went thought hang on, didn't he say we get songwriting credits? So they tried to sue, lost, and then a decade later. <laughs> Um, when I guess more money was drying up they actually uh, got back together. They said it's because we didn't want to end the band with such a bitter taste. Let's end the band with a, mm. you know on a brighter point, but who knows? Well who knows. And
1: then Tony Hadley left the band mm. and I was reading an interview with him where he's like I will never kind of like I won't ever reveal the reason. Or maybe it's just like the reason was so bad. I'm not going to reveal it, but given all the ups and downs you had, you can imagine how terrible it was. Which I'm like, okay, that's very mysterious. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I get um, the, I get the opinion that Gary is a taskmaster and hard to work with. He even comes across a little bit prickly in the podcast, so maybe mm. he could be a little bit to blame. But uh, I guess you know, if, if you're the if you're the main songwriter and yeah, you know, yeah, and lyrics as yeah, well, think, right? So, so you can see why so, yeah. he had the biggest ego. To be fair, so we begin. Overrated. So let's start with, to cut a long story short, it's their first single from 1980. And as you mentioned, yeah, this is basically the single that got them signed. Um, is it also their best single? It's always a bit, a bit um, iffy when a band's first single is their best single still. But um, yeah, this soundtrack, The Blitz, uh, it, it mixes electro with soul, and... Um, lyrically is it about a soldier who comes back from the war then turns to sex work i don't know
1: yeah i because i thought the lyrics were to cut a long story short i broke your heart not i lost my mind (laughs) for the longest time so i was like oh this um this is very but yeah but as
0: i said no this this was like i don't know uh, was there many rock bands you could dance to before this period of new Wave? but i mean yeah this is basically you know rock music to be dancer at a nightclub and it works beautifully and sadly in the UK no one ever plays this in a, a 1980s uh, uh, inspired nightclub but I love dancing to this it's got a, a brilliant uh, riff and and synth uh, motif from Gary and yeah I think this is maybe their best single what do you think
1: Hmm, okay, because I was going to ask you, what was the rationale behind this playlist? Like, is it songs you you really like and really dislike? What What's your reason? So, I mean,
0: I'm not a massive fan of ballet fan. I don't own a single thing by them. So, like, I probably knew seven or eight songs. So i mean i could be evil and go through and choose the worst songs in each album but i basically chose all singles and i've just basically done it in like you know uh, chronological order i just picked mm-hmm. i picked the, some of the big hitters and some of the less known singles and then you know i was as surprised as to maybe you were with some of these because two or three of these i'd never heard until i did some research
1: mm. yeah definitely yeah, so I was hoping that you like this one, because, yeah, I, I really love this mm. song and it is a more recent discovery. I had no idea it was the first single and the opening song on their debut album. Also really surprising that they released so many albums in such a short period of time. Again, I, I had no idea. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I there's some really strong keys and the, the, the mm. bass is really guiding. I, I really didn't realise how good Martin Kemp was as a bassist. You know, that's that's really throughout all the songs. Yeah. Um, and I really, really like Tony Hadley harmonising with himself, like especially the section where he says, look at that strange boy and it's kind of low and high. Um, yeah, it's 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 really, really catchy. And yeah, I can't believe it's not played at an indie disco slash... Have you ever heard it played night. Uh I mean, no, but I, I have nah. less opportunities to go to those kind of nights. But uh, no, I don't think I have. So
0: is a song like only in the UK? I, I, I get the opinion that they weren't big abroad until like the true era
1: good question because i think i until that greatest hit i only knew true mm-hmm. and gold but i think there was a familiarity to to this song and another song that's on this playlist coming up um where i was like i felt like I, i'd probably heard it on the radio but not realized it was Spano ballet because yeah i mean i had no idea that they had such funk influences mm. um at the beginning you know and I, I guess i hadn't thought about it in that way you know when you're going through greatest hits um but, uh, yeah, especially in one of the, the other bigger hitters, but not your gold that you've picked, that's really, really noticeable and definitely influenced by The Nightlife in London, as Do you, said.
0: you I know you said Tony Hadley's a good singer. I agree. But sometimes I think he may be too good. like It's in too perfect. And, and maybe too theatrical, too musical theatre. Sometimes I think he's maybe too strong for the song a little bit.
1: Well, what him and David Sylvian haven't got it. Does a, there's an open throat, you <laughs> yeah. know, kind of thing. No, I can't. No, I can't, you can't hate, hate him. him. Like, I, I really, I really. Okay. Well, yeah, there's one song where I'm like, I was thinking, even, even Tony doesn't do the <laughs> song justice. But I, I just, I don't. It isn't just the timbre of his voice. It is the way he switches between different vocal stylings within the same song. It's, it's really impressive. Like, I, yeah, I can't help. Not bad. Just
0: for you know, just uh... a. Uh, that's a geezer in a punk club who just said, "Oh, can I? Can I sing?" Yeah, yeah, sounds yeah. yeah, exactly. like amazing. Yeah,
1: they're, <laughs> they're inspired by the Sex Pistols, which really surprised me. But then, then when you think about it, you're like actually, no, it shouldn't really, should it? Yeah, I think yeah, you they know.
0: tried uh, a few different um, guys as before they became spander Ballet, and they were given the name by a local journalist running from ID magazine.
1: Ah, I didn't know that. Do you know okay. Spandau ballet means?
0: Have you re- researched? Uh,
1: I, d- I did and s- didn't write it down, so subsequently <laughs> so forgot. I mean, Spandau is a place in Berlin, right? Yeah, or... I
0: believe um, it's when they would hang um, war criminals to so the ballet as their feet kicking whilst they're hanging... Oh, so, so, that's a little, little fun little name there for kids to us. That's
1: quite <laughs> interesting given they're such a mainstream uh, wedding band friendly <laughs> band. I'm sure
0: they enjoyed that. So, um, yeah, so, okay, yeah. so um, on to my next pick, and I believe it is chant number one.
1: You don't need this pressure on. You
0: just don't need this pressure <laughs> So I don't know if I like this or hate this. It's certainly rememberable because of the uh, uh, repetitiveness of the chorus. Um, I was doing a bit of research as per and watching the amazing documentary from 2015 about Ballet. And uh, in 1981, obviously there's a lot of working class struggles under Thatcher and it's kind of became mm-hmm. an anthem because, you know, we don't need this pressure on. And then it's kind of about, you know... Fuck your horrible day life and get down to the le beach route, pun intended. I assume.
1: I only just noticed once you read it out. There we go. Lovely stuff. Which what Lovely I think stuff. like
0: yeah, in the uh, in like around that sort of time, I think. London nightlife had gone back to soul music, hence why they had, like, soul horns from Begs and Co. So, yeah, it's, it's quite a departure, again, from the earlier stuff. Um, there's a surprise rap near the end, which uh, I completely forgot about. Um, this is kind of crap. But, yeah, I, I can't decide if I like it or not, because that phrase, it kind of gave this pressure on, stuck in my head, but is that a good thing? Is it a decent song? I don't know. Um, apparently hadley was told to uh do a more laid-back vocal and they made him lie down which is why he sounds a bit different in the
1: verse oh interesting okay um i fucking mm-hmm. love this song i i think this is great um there is well i've put there are horns here but in japan there's a lot of horns so maybe <laughs> uh, you know maybe maybe these are lesser horns um i'd completely forgotten that he raps at the beginning as well uh i checked the time it was almost time you know speak singing um and i found it really interesting that uh i don't know if you saw this on wikipedia but an executive for the label told them the thing is, is guys this is black radio and it went cross into pop and it, and uh, kemp apparently said what he wanted to say was it wasn't proper radio and would be heard by white kids with cash uh but apparently the band received a message from The Clash oh, really? who contacted their office to say that they thought the record was amazing. And I guess, yeah, they were they were pigheaded enough, which is mad when you think about it, because given the timing of of this, 1982, you get, like you said, you've got the the funky guitar line. It's very du jour it yeah, stupid record executives not getting it. Yeah. And it is it is unbelievably catchy. And I really like how the horns are used to punctuate. It's very It's very edgy, but very, very danceable as well. I'd love to dance to this. Um, And I I think when, you know, reading the lyrics to this and reading the lyrics to the one before, what I found quite interesting is for a more mainstream pop band, they don't really write much about love, do they? They write (laughs) about, like, going out and, you know, uh, (laughs) maybe a soldier. Although later on, they
0: do talk about love a lot.
1: Oh, well, yes, (laughs) yes. But but also the troubles. Mm. So, you know, it's... uh, I found that quite interesting, especially when I found out as well that it was Gary Kemp writing the lyrics. Like, clearly they're... It's funny because I guess they're pretty authentic. Is that the right word to use? But it really feels like at this stage, they're wearing their influences on their sleeve. And, you know, of course, there's probably some kind of feeling of this is what's going to be big because it's it's inspired by, by what's of the moment. But when you then think of true and gold, which I'm sure... You know uh had different kinds of inspirations but feels much more mainstream it it, it's it's surprising that they did music like this it's also
0: quite interesting that they shed their neomantics uh sounds so fast after the first album yeah i mean like this doesn't sound anything like dran dran if you ask me so possibly cut cut long story short could be a dran dran track it's got you know the same hallmarks Mm -hmm. but yeah by by now a year later they've already moved on from the blitz um so yep on to my next pick which is a track that i I, I had heard before until uh, doing some research. I knew the to- song title, and um, it's Instinction, uh, mm-hmm. produced by Trevor Horn, the, the 80s hit maker. Mm. And yeah, um, this is kind of like almost like a duet with Gary in the verse, and I think um, they had a few. Flop singles, and this is the first top twenty that kind of saved them. It's got like some interesting simp stabs and percussion, although it does sound fucking dated. Um, in the video, the Kemp's are both wearing woolly hats.
1: <laughs> I haven't seen it. In the none, I wanna okay. agree.
0: Um, I think it's got a decent right. chorus, but I don't love it. But I do like the last lyric, which is stealing cake to eat in the moon. What the fuck? What <laughs> the fuck does that mean?
1: <laughs> well, I also wrote baffling lyrics once again. Cheap bed in the red, sleep the words out of your head. Cold floor, nice and raw, eat the meat that's on the floor. Of course. <laughs> okay. Um, I think very similar opinion to you. I don't know if I like mm. this or not. Um, it surprised me that, like, gosh, you know, we're only two years later and they're already having to be saved, <laughs> which is mad. And this is much more post punky. Uh, I quite like the bass and the call and response mm. element. And obviously, like, t- Tony's cruder voice in the middle of that. But there is this kind of repetitive synth riff that like yeah that this one was catching not such a great way I, I
0: think um trevor horn had to save it because on the album version it's quite different so i think he was hired mm-hmm. a bit like how Noel and rogers was hired to fix the re- the reflex in the same sort of way but um yeah mm-hmm. it's not great for me and uh, speaking of not great mm-hmm. i'm on to muscle bound i put this is bad what were they thinking apparently this is experimental folk according to uh, according what? to gary yes experimental uh russian folk is what is what he uh, describes russian. russian folk which maybe why the the course is you know is it like uh chanting yeah and like doing a hard day's work keeps you muscle bound i can't remember what, what the lyric is.
1: work till you're muscle bound all night long there you long. go
0: that, that's what yeah. i do every day yeah the video uh they aim to be lord of rings but it does seems like some people walk around the lake district with uh dwarfs. because in the 80s if you wanted your video to look different you put a dwarf in it that I do it, oh, it's God. it's yeah. no well boys what's your thoughts
1: so I, I knew this one and yeah i wasn't a huge fan because again it feels repetitive in um in a negative way but actually because it's been such a long time since i listened to it I did appreciate it a bit more, especially the, the the harmonies. I do I do like Tony. I mentioned love my love Tony. I love love Tony's voice <laughs> voice, um, but very often when there are other voices and other harmonies, it, it enhances it further. And I think they do here. And the drums is it is quite driving and. And uh, and much like so, I guess you know it does what it says on the tin. But I would rather have a tin of peaches, I think, rather than. It's this. interesting
0: about Gary has never well, as far as I know, never done a vocal for it because he does sing. He's on a, a, his own albums, but, and that's the main songwriter. You think he might have like mm-hmm. you know just I'll take this one. I'll take this one, Tony. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting how he does harmonies. But yeah, he's, he's as far as I know, he's never sang a Spandeballet song.
1: I mean. I'm gonna guess his voice isn't as good as Tony's, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So if he if he's really music oriented, he might just be like, "Look, you know, I might want to take this, but TH is just if better." If you've seen
0: an Olympics, you've probably heard gold. I don't know if it was. It's a cynical move that having the song with gold will mean that every time there's a sporting event, he's going to make some money from it. This is a move away again from the uh, the, the original hip sound. We've gone into the classy mor pop sound um they're now wearing suits and ties they've got potter simps although you're a, a fan of bass i could hear, barely hear bassline bass line in gold it's mainly vocals and percussion
1: in the chorus could you can you. hear the bass
0: but yeah and yeah. i put on here this is full Hadley theater mode uh <laughs> and more sax because uh by this time steve norman had learned the sax and date not we know it from, from from this part going forward
1: I think this song is a classic, and I cannot play it enough, shockingly, mm-hmm. even though M.O.R. is not my natural wheelhouse. This is the first time I've heard the extended album version, nope. actually, uh, so that that was a, a nice surprise. It made me appreciate the percussion even more. I think it's a genius song. I like how, from the beginning, it kind of wrong-foots you because Tony Hadley comes in on an offbeat, mm. you know, so it starts very gently, and then he's like, thank you, and you haven't quite got there yet and he's you know and that continues because he starts very softly but then the way it builds and the way he goes ah much much louder afterwards um i like it and again i hadn't really thought about swan in these contexts but i hadn't really realized how much less guitar-y mm. and more jazzy they they were and i absolutely love trying to hold the note at the end <laughs> just really kind of like going oh ah! So, so no, I, I really I really love this despite my better judgment, I, I really love this song. Um and on the on the cynicalness on Wikipedia it says that Tony Hadley said, Gold is a song which even today's kids enjoy singing along to in student bars up and down the country and is one of the main reasons I get so many corporate shows. He said this in 2011 to explain his earnings being higher since the start of the 21st century than they had been in the 1980s. Blimey
0: tiny, so, blimey tiny. But yeah, yeah, but it's amazing. Like, yeah, this is three years since their debut and it sounds so different. Like, you know, I, I guess their debut mm. was was like cheap red wine and lipstick and now it's like champagne and cufflinks. It's, it's a...
1: Well, it's very 80s yuppie yeah, yeah. vibes, isn't it? You know, Reagan, Reagan. But I, I didn't
0: know the politics, but you know, as you're saying that, you know,
1: well, to- Tony, Tony. Well, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I guess I'm saying, yeah, I guess I was saying,
0: because I said "Chart and Bordman was kind of seen like a working class anthem, so, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that kind of goes... But li-
1: I mean, listen, Phil Collins was the Tory in Genesis, mm. even though he was the one who didn't go to private school. I mean, Brian Ferry is the Tory, and he's the lead singer as well in Roxy Music, so, you know, sometimes whereas yeah Brian Eno, i saw him talking about nfts recently and he was just like why would mus- musicians want to become small little dirty-minded capitalist people really <laughs> so you know people in bands can have different political opinions i guess maybe
0: Brian Eno had to leave Roxy music so moving on to another song i didn't really know till today and we're going to pleasure also for also, oh, uh, also from the true album i put down this is their funky shagging song it's, it's your wine bar soundtrack but I've ever thought, like, God, what's in the documentary? Like, this period was when they had the screaming teenage girl fans. And, like, mm. are they really into this like, music, being, like, a 14-year-old oh, yeah. girl? This, uh, yeah, oh, I remember Very... being 14.
1: I would have been into, yeah. like,
0: yeah. I, yeah, I, I, said, I, I, I think this would suit maybe the, the middle-class parents. Um, It's a lot less angular pop than those rascals Duran Duran. But this <laughs> is uh, not for me uh. at all.
1: Yeah, this was also totally new to me, and I enjoyed the funky bass in Tony's voice, but that's about it. I wrote that it sounded like music, and it sounds like a budget club tropical <laughs> by Ram.
0: But yeah, but it's, it's about shagging, isn't it? He's saying, I want, well, I yeah. want some pleasure uh,
1: in my car. Meeting mm. in the song. It's, it is on the screen. Naughty Kemp. Adventures at 19. Mm. Naughty Kemp. Mm.
0: So, let's move on. Same album. Uh, a little song you may know called True. Um, This is not the sound of my soul. That is the sun always shines on TV. What's the sound of your What's the sound of your soul, Babs?
1: Oh fuck! Great Sorry, question. I said that for of My soul. Um, the sound of my soul. I think because I'm, I'm thinking about crooners warbling. Mm. I think the sound of my soul would be um, Megalomania by Muse or something. Oh. Just something very, very dramatic, very dun, warbling dun. at its highest kind of energy and emotion. Now, Fran, I really shouldn't like this song. You know, I should like the song. You mm. know. Even less than gold but i, I really like the song if more quiet songs were like this i i would really like it i think it's the lush harmonies the synths are very subtle you know you've got you've got the synths you've got the bass again tony very controlled singing moving from hush to howling in an instant and I just think the, when he gets to the, this is the sound, it just, oh, it just, it, it, it hits you. I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why. I don't want to, but I, it is true to well, me. It's, it's true, true it's, despite, yeah, you name know, you know.
0: that much. Um. But I yeah, I think Gary by this time wanted to be more of a serious songwriter, and uh, in the in the in the uh, the documentary, like he starts playing on the guitar, and every single person in the studio singing along instantly, so they know that had a big hit. But what is quite fucking funny is. Um, during the interview, they asked Tony, How come you haven't toured Japan yet? And he said, Oh, because we don't sign any records. And then, Mark, then Gary goes, Don't fucking say that. Can't do it again. Because his ego couldn't take That's the reason why he doesn't tour part of the country. It's like, Wow. He is taking this <laughs> seriously. But yeah, this founding this uh, was, was UK number one, but Gold is their biggest selling single even back then. And uh, I wonder how many people had had their first answer this.
1: I guess True and Gold do sound kind mm. of timeless, right? Like. I mean, I guess they don't sound like 2020s rock, but I wouldn't necessarily place it in the 80s, nor the seven. You know, it's just, yeah, it's it's very, it's easy listening, but there's there's enough to set it apart. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, it is a slow song, but because of the Sound of My Soul bits and, and yeah, Tony being so theatrical, as you put it, it, it does elevate it. I Apparently
0: think. this is about uh, Gary fancying Claire Grogan from Altered Images, and he wrote it for her. And she didn't really, and she didn't fancy him back. Oh, Oh, Claire. Claire
1: might
0: have dodged it <laughs> okay so now we're going to, to slide down the greasy pole of success and move on to the latter day spander ballet um we're now moving to uh, parade from 1984
1: still no nope. highly
0: strong yeah oh yeah but no sorry from the album parade the, the oh, single sorry. highly yeah. strong yeah. so they were now like you know i guess almost stadium rockers they had mullets and uh
1: but it's only four years later. This is sorry to interrupt, but I just can't believe how how much has happened in such a short space. Of this time. Where
0: Martin is where Martin's wearing silk down to his knees. In uh, a very different world. Uh, this song, uh, they've, they've gone rocker. They've got more guitar parts. It's uh, big production, funky bass, uh, but it's got a fucking awful chorus, if you ask me, and sounds like 80 shit. Um, but in the music video, it's set in Hong Kong and. Imagine an '80s music video in Hong Kong, and yes, you're correct. Uh, it does have a Chinese dragon and uh, a lady uh, on a bicycle, of course, and it has uh, Martin on stage with an eye patch. No, no, no idea why, but it was the '80s.
1: Preempting Gabrielle there. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get time to watch the mm. videos, unfortunately. But uh, Wikipedia did say the music video of Heidi Strong was shot in Hong Kong and included a lot of cliché Chinese oh, imagery. Oh yes. Oh yes.
0: But luckily, <laughs> no member of Spanner does dress up as a, a Chinese man.
1: Or do anything with their eyes? No, I would no. hope not. Good. Okay. uh Song wise, I wrote that this could easily be a less memorable Duran Duran song. I think this is the most Duran Duran song, uh, Duran Duran esque mm. song that you've got on the on the playlist. I thought it was fine, and I enjoyed the usual bass and vocals. But yeah, it didn't. The guitars didn't really do it for me. However, I absolutely love the lyric. She used to be a diplomat, but now she's an <laughs> That really made me laugh. And I guess yeah, it's about a woman having a nervous breakdown. It seems, which is quite. I was thinking like this is quite original, and how many people were writing stuff like this in the eighties? I I don't know. So, props to Gary for that because clearly, yeah, it's not just kind of love and politics. Is that is that it's, a uh, phrase that,
0: that travels? Highly strong. Is that uh, is that known?
1: And I no, I guess that's more mm. of a euphemism, right? Um, I would say yeah, maybe not not one for your average non-native speaker, but uh, because yeah, I guess it could also mean like uptight. Well, no, sorry, no, not not up uptight. Yeah, yeah, uptight or kind of like eat too sensitive, right? So,
0: I, I've yeah. had to laugh reading the YouTube comments. A guy called AC Seventy Two says, "This sounds fresher than anything in the, in the current charts." Does it? That's AC Seventy Two.
1: How old are you, mate?
0: <laughs> and that was seven, seven months ago. Yeah. So, uh, moving uh, to the final release. Is this the last thing they did? They did. I think it might be. This is a love. I I think it's from the Greatest Sits in 2014. I think they wrote three new songs. Um, So, yeah, this is uh, String Laden Bullshit. Yes, Tone Hattie can still sing in 2014. It's got lyrical nonsense, but he keeps mentioning love, so therefore he can get away with anything, apparently. Um, This is the creative end of Spanda Ballet. Enjoy, guys. What's your thoughts?
1: It's harsh, but it's true. Yeah, I put, oh God, there's so much saxophone and piano (laughs) at the start. I really dislike this saccharin chorus. And this is the one song where none of the usual things saved it because I think there's so much going on that yeah, even even beloved Tony's voice um doesn't do it. And you compare it to chart number one (laughs) and it's just like, how is this the same band? What happened? Which, you know, normally I wouldn't say that as a as a bad thing, right? Because clearly they're a band that constantly kind of reinventing themselves but this just seems cynical. You know, it seems they're like, right. Okay. You know, the old biddy, the people who are now old, <laughs> old biddies who liked us, like let's, you know, let's dress up Tony Hadley and, and have him sing about love. Um, so, yeah, I, I truly, truly dislike this. And,
0: uh, and to, to finish off, I thought I'd finish off with the epic song Through the Barricades from 1986. Uh, Gary's friend, and I believe he also worked for Spam Ballet on the merchandise, uh, Thomas Riley was shot dead in Belfast during The Troubles. So, Gary, um, thought he'd write a song about, I guess, a Romeo, Romeo and Juliet-inspired song, but set in Ireland. Um, this was when Tony would start wearing leather gloves and a roll neck. Not a good look. Not a good look. I personally prefer Belfast Child of we're for the uh, Troubles-inspired yes. 80s anthems. This, is, the, yeah, this is a little bit your vision for me Um, in production. Um, it's a last big hit. It's a bit too serious roll neck for me, a bit too pompous, and it's a bit, it's a bit cliche with the whole military drumming. And in the video, they fucking waste a lot of paper so not okay. for me not for me guys
1: <laughs> can i can i just say i've enjoyed the fashion updates that you've given for, for oh yeah tony does like to change
0: throughout the video yeah. this is not his not his best look uh gloves okay. is never good for anyone apart from and apart well, apart from Anna the
1: animals guys <laughs> <laughs> um this is six minutes mm. long, and i really didn't enjoy it i thought it was really forgettable it really surprised me reading about it that firstly camp won uh an an award at the 2012 ivan novella awards for outstanding song collection and said it's a it's a particular favorite of his and tony hadley says it's it's the band's best song and i'm like really of everything like because it's not particularly creative like i i can understand the the meaningfulness and like yeah they quote yates as well which is uh which is quite something given that they're talking about an english guy who's been who's been shot um but yeah, I really, I really dislike them. And I googled to see whether it had been in, in any Dairy Girls episodes, and it hasn't. And I'm like, yeah, good, good makes sense. Yeah,
0: it's kind of weird how people s- seem to think this is their best song. It's like, but but yeah. in the early '80s, they had so much going for them. And you know? they're like, yeah, they're like a really hip, um, cool band, like um, breaking down boundaries and, and inspiring people. And then six years later, they're doing this. It's like, oh, really? Is mm-hmm. that what we're going to get from you, Spander Ballet? And then the mm-hmm. end, even worse. Um, so personally, I think they are overrated. This is why I don't own the best of because I think to cut a long story short is brilliant, but true and gold. I like, but I've, I've heard them so many times. I'd never like, um, um, search for them on Spotify. The sort of thing, that I'd hear it in a shop and go, yeah, I quite like this. So,
1: but but I do recommend every now and again seeking those two out. Um, yeah. So from this playlist yeah overrated because i only like the songs that i knew already Mm -hmm. none of the none of the new songs inspired me but it's really made me actually want to go back to their early albums and see exactly what they were doing because they seem so much more post-punk than than i realized so much more funky than i realized and even though i like golden true that's not you know what, I thought they were doing at all, so I'm sure that there's more chart number ones. And, and to cut a long story short, there has to be, yeah, right? But, yeah, but I, Muscle I Bounds like
0: from that first album, and that's pretty shocking,
1: yeah, yeah but that's that <laughs> pretty shocking. But you know, maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, like, you know, gun to my head, yes, I, w- I would say they're overrated, even though I, yeah, I wouldn't, I kind of don't want them to be because I, I, you know, obviously it's new romantics and, and I do like songs, but um, I do quite love, I do like. A few of their songs, but uh, I think uh, you've made a very strong.
0: Argument. I saw them, Island White, and um, so I have sang along to Gold with uh, Tony. So I guess I have that moment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, even then, like yeah. apart from the four songs, I was like, yeah, this is not. It's like watching you know, your friend's dad uh, jump around on stage for half an hour. It was not the same as the contemporaries. They have like Tears mm-hmm. of Fears and you know. Duran, Duran, etc, etc, talk, 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 talk. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. for me, <coughs> overrated. And I guess we mm-hmm. never hear from them again because they hate other apparently, apart from uh, the Kemps. So, there mm-hmm. you go. Well,
1: at least, they're, you know, they're brothers, so thank God for that <laughs> Another Oasis. I will just finish with a, with a fact. I think I've talked about Rui da Silva before, the guy who wrote Touch Me, the only Portuguese person to go to the number one in the UK singles chart. It's kind of thanks to Spando Ballet that he got to number one because Touch Me originally had a section inspired by chart number one, but the band had too many demands to include what Kemp had written. That caused a delay in its release. So it was going to be delayed um, around the time that Can We Fix It by Bob the Builder <laughs> was, was going to be released. So it wouldn't have gone to number one, but because of the week's delay uh, and the failed negotiations, he released it at the best time and it went to number one. So, obrigada. A silver uh,
0: lining to the uh, the cloud of spam. <laughs> beautiful. Well,
1: what a way to end. Hello, this
0: is a promo for a podcast about a playlist. Yeah? Yeah, it's called Playlist Yeah, Yeah. My name's Mike Lash, former actor, former comedian, former creative, former cool dude. This is... Kerry Mitchell, former musician, former art student, current cool dude. We've created a playlist. A fucking brilliant playlist. The best playlist ever, to the point where we spoke to each other about how good the playlist is, and that... We it to be the people at a party who's putting on the music and only putting on a few seconds of the music before changing the song because everyone loves those guys at a party. That's us. So each week we have a guest and they have to choose one song to define them as a human person. person. One song for me, Mike Lash, to sing right after. And then because... Mike is not the best person in his family. We've incorporated his mum to give her insight into each song, which will maybe help the guests to define themselves as a person. But really, we probably shouldn't get bogged down in the format of the podcast. It's really heavily edited, so it's not actually that boring. It's quite short, so I really think you'll like it. Kerry's carries kids are home, so it's probably the end of this promo. It is. What was it? www.playtheshare.com. And available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Underrated.
0: Welcome back, guys. My underrated pick is the band Japan from uh, London. They were known in form from in for inspiring the British new wave scene.
1: New new wave, not new rave,
0: right? New well, we know they inspired the Claxons the new wave scene and the new romantic scene, because they David Sylvia, in I guess, flamboyant and dron- adrogynous front man, was wearing, you know, f- full makeup and flowing blonde locks and, uh, you know, tight suits, and was a crooner. They uh, had kind of like the George Dream arpeggios, with the Roxy Music guitar lines and sax, and it worked wonders. But they never really had a big hit in the UK. And when it started to get big, they broke up. So and why did became, they break up? They became this Enigma. I think they broke up because I mean I, I don't know. I, I've read a book. I was gonna
1: say you've not been on the phone. To... I've uh,
0: I I believe I think that David Sylvian stole the bass player Mick Khan's girlfriend's. <laughs>
1: No, really? I think oh, wow, that,
0: okay. I think, I think that could be the reason. <laughs> and okay. I think, I also think so David Sylvian, a bit like Gary Kemp, he was the the principal songwriter and singer. It was kind of his, he was, to some people, Japan, because it was always his face on the album covers, you know, it, it, he was that. So maybe the egos of uh, Mick Kahn and David Sylvian kind of, you know, ended too soon for me. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of these songs on the playlist. Were re released after they broke up. Yeah, then David Sylvian went solo and had a fairly decent solo output. Um, The one song people know from David Sylvian is that he did the soundtrack to um, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence with David Bowie and the song Forbidden Colours with Rich Your Sakamoto. And it has the down, 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 down dun Yeah, my mum loved that dun, song. Yeah. There we go. And that's like the one song anyone ever knows from David Silverman's Trope Japan. And then after that, David Stilford, uh went more up his own arse and he did an album f- uh, for art galleries recently. That's where he is. As a 16-year-old boy, I was watching, I think, like, Top of the Pop reruns. I saw ghosts on Todd Pops and it sounded like nothing I'd ever heard before and that's where I started to get into Japan and you know no one I played Japan to liked it, they thought it was pretentious shit and they didn't understand it so it took a while for me to then find other people talking about Japan a lot later but yeah, so I, I always hoped that David Silverman would maybe go back to for Japan sounds, it never happens and Japan reformed ish they changed the name to Rain Tree Crow, um, yeah. but it's, it's the same lineup as Japan. And the record company were furious so that they wouldn't call, them, call the album Japan, but mm-hmm. it, it only worked for one album. And then yeah, he um he, he occasionally works with his brother Steve Jansen, He's a drummer. But that's it yeah unfortunately so yeah japan existed from 78 to 83 they started out as a kind of like a, a glam rock band out of time because in 1978 glam rock was not cool punk was cool but they they enjoyed wearing bright red hair and full makeup and then managed by the same guy who managed rams Simon napier bell who's kind of like an infamous manager of that time and wow. yeah they they didn't get anywhere apart from in japan uh ironically ironic, and, and they were signed to um hansa in germany they basically were dropped and then suddenly virgin picked them up and then they had like some success for two albums and then it's the end of japan so did you know anything about japan at all
1: i did so i had four songs by japan saved mm-hmm. and three of them which are on your playlist uh, sons of pioneers was the other one but i i could not sing them to you right and what's amazing is I've gone through this playlist and I can tell you now that there are songs that I enjoyed and I cannot remember them. I've, it's already kind of gone <laughs> out of my mind. And yeah, I think that's the thing about Japan, right? I, I, I'm i not surprised that they're not as big as they should be despite so clearly being an influence on so many bands. And I hadn't realized that they were making stuff in the seventies when I was listening to, to the songs. And then I saw that some of them were written in 79. I was like, this that is incredibly pioneering. Hmm. I had no idea. So yeah, it really it really shook me. Um and yeah, I I knew I knew about David Sylvian but I didn't know that he was the lead singer of, of of Japan. I just knew his name. Very pretty man. Just changed my Facebook cover photo to him for. <laughs> um I knew that,
0: which era of uh, What? Well, Make
1: free because that's oh. it. D- despite very much the with with makeup. I think in some of the pictures he looks a bit too yuppie for for my personal t- hmm. I li- like makeup don't like a corporate look. Uh, so he's barefaced in black and white, but he looks really good. Check it out, guys, if you're Facebook friends with me. I thought they were more new wave, which I guess they were start- started that, but it's it's really not just mm. new wave. And I I was really blown away by the atmosphere that they create with their songs. Like I was I was thinking the last band I felt about i felt that about was that we talked about in the podcast was massive attack you know it's like it's a similar kind of they paint they paint pictures they paint atmospheres and even songs that i don't like so much i can appreciate what they what they've done so so yeah i'm i'm excited to get into this with you because uh yeah there's a lot to talk about i think <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's amazing you know, like, yeah so they, they broke up when he was like 25 years old so wow. the entire japan backlog is him from the age of 18 to 25 which is bizarre too young too young too young in it to 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 break up Mm -hmm. but yeah so um let's start with um quiet life because i guess it's maybe the most commercial sounding song this is from 1979 um Mm -hmm. unbelievably unbelievably and it wasn't a hit at all um yeah so as i said this is the sound of glam rock meets berry with no with with and music fused in um sylvian had changed his singing style because on the first two albums he had kind of like a, a punky sort of singing oh. and then he sort of like became a bit of a crooner um, he's always um compared to brian ferry he and then he brought in his his change of barnet he cut his long hair off and had some sort of like side quiff happening which nick rhodes stole from the early 80s Duran Duran era um, and yeah this was actually a b-side so their record label was so desperate to get them to have a hit single, they had to do two cover songs. Um, one was the Smoking Robinson, A Second That Motion, and the other mm-hmm. one was the Velvet Underground's "Autumnized Parties. So yeah, so this was a B-side, This is mad, because to me this instantly sounds commercial as hell. Uh, it's got beautiful synth arpeggios, it's got that sporadic guitar, swipes and a disco beat, and I, I think this is basically the template to the new wave sound. What do you think?
1: So I had previously saved this song. I listened to this song mm. four times in a row before coming onto the quote and it's it's left my brain, right? Which is Really? Unbelievable because I love it. but but I think that's why. I think I think I I, I will I, I really like this song. I will agree with you on that, but I don't think it is automatically commercial if okay, I have ADHD and a bad memory. <laughs> and and I have listened to this before and saved it, but I I, I don't think it's hooky enough, despite it being a great song and and yeah, the moment you said Brian, uh, Brian Ferry this this sounds like Roxy music to me. I, I, despite really enjoying it, I needed repeated listens to get into it. I think the breakdown around three minutes is what helps it contextualise yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the whole song for me and I think that happens throughout. Um, and yeah, it's another song about seemingly middle class boredom. Ding, ding, ding. It's been, uh, that we've been talking <laughs> about you know, boys, are you contemplating moving out somewhere? Boys, will you ever find the time? Here we are stranded. Somehow it seemed the same. But where here comes the quiet life again? So yeah, lo- lovely stuff. And it's, it's actually it's yeah. actually
0: about them being dropped by the label. Oh
1: really? Oh well, yeah. It's actually it's, is... about
0: it's about the pressures of the label and it's saying basically, I, I, I want a quiet life. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what's about. But 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 I they think they're I think they're quite poor. They're, they're not they're not they're, they're working class boys. Although he looks like they look, they look like mm-hmm. they're they're they're. They, they're public school kids. They're, mm-hmm. they're not at all. About, um, they, I think they're yeah. They're from Catford in, in in London. But yeah, it's, it's about them being being forced to uh, write singles and, and, and just wanting the quiet life apparently. That is ironic to...
1: that it's their biggest song because <laughs> yeah, it's it's the top song on Spotify. I think over really five, really over five million plays. About yeah. wow,
0: four B sides. That's, that's not bad, is it? Yeah, not at
1: all.
0: Yeah, it, it could have more hooks. And a lot of their songs, I think, could easily be shortened down. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these tracks go past four minutes when they really don't need to. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, like the next song. We're to talk about which is uh, "Gentlemen take polaroids from their 1980 album of the same name as people say it is their best album so yeah this is the japan japan mark ii so they've moved away from the you know the glam sound and gone more into the synth beds and mick khan has discovered his slidey bass sound which <laughs> Everyone then stole. Yep. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Um. Afterwards, yeah. Is this I think there's more confidence because they're with Virgin Virgin Records now. It's 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 chic pop music with interesting local ideas. Um. You know, I can't imagine a band singing about gentlemen take poorly these days. Well, and
1: we've I, got Hey Ya. Uh, right our cast, and that's it, isn't it? <laughs>
0: But yeah, you know, I, I I do find it weird thinking, I was seventeen years old listening to this. What the fuck was I doing? <laughs> I I was listening to, I was listening to this over pulp and the racism blur, thinking, guys!
1: Yeah, but why the, I listen to Japan? The, but you know, that is okay, not pulp, but like that it is lad culture shoved down your throat, isn't it? Yeah, so maybe. You know, if you're a bit more of a sensitive person I can totally understand. Taking solace in a beautiful a uh, David Sylvian's Eyes. Has, um, has
0: an awesome album cover and I once um covered it for a Calendar myself.
1: <laughs> Yeah. well guys set us up a patreon and uh, <laughs> be able to get rights to the, those pictures yeah I, I put extremely duran duran bass that is that is what i wrote down so i'm sure this inspired uh, mr taylor i yeah this was a this is one of those where like the atmosphere i, I really liked the, the fun title gentlemen take Polaroids, it's very tongue-in-cheek mm. i quite like the menacing bridge and mm. the dreamy instrumental ending that that chimed with me much more um but i didn't save it uh unlike some of the other songs on this so so i liked it but um you know yeah definitely not as much as quiet life and not as much as some of the others
0: are you a fan of his bass because yes. sometimes I, I find it a bit too
1: uh, i mean it's a bit much. too bassy
0: <laughs> but, but no, but it's like it's like it's like yeah you can calm down like, it's like he found a sound and it's like oh i'm gonna use this in there every song now uh, like, but
1: see, I, I don't mind it i don't mind it and i i think i think because their synths are so weird mm. um I think it is driving and guiding in a way that I guess is kind of comforting sometimes. <laughs> like, okay, the base is there. We're going to be fine.
0: He also plays the sax as well, uh, um, Mick- yeah. McCann. There's yeah.
1: a lot of horns in Japan. I was very surprised. Uh, wow.
0: I didn't mention that in a minute. I didn't uh, say okay. why. Like say, I'm not like... I don't hate the saxophone. I just feel that sometimes in the eighties it became like the show-off instrument. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we need a two-minute sax solo, b- but do you? <laughs> that's my, that's my, my, mm-hmm. like with the span of the Ballet, for example, that 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 ruins a lot of their songs. Mm-hmm. So, um, moving on to the final album, Tindrum. and yeah, they again have changed the sound. They've come, they've, the, the musically they went less commercial but became more commercial, which is odd. So this is the life and made by Holmes and this does not sound like a top 10 single at all uh mick Karn's raving hello from the off this bass line it's the arty side of pop it's got a, so you're uh, steve jansen's p- playing with different uh drum techniques and his percussion in this album is brilliant like he's he's always playing uh, it, like a different instrument like a like a melodic instrument rather than just you know, keeping time um and yeah it's it's not an easy one to get into. I would probably have to hear it maybe six times when I was a kid to get to get into it. But I enjoyed the catchy part when it says, plant life, my life, still life in mobile homes. And then got stuck in my head for a long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it about touring? Is, it about, is that what it's about? Oh, Always I, I, moving, I didn't
1: analyse. Uh, I, I, yeah, I wondered if it was about um, uh, aspiration, right? Because if you're in a mobile home, maybe you can't afford, uh, you know, uh well, yeah. If you're if you're in a mobile home, you don't have hmm. the security of a a home that's on the ground, and therefore you won't have a still life. Is it about that? That's that's how I very loosely interpreted it.
0: So is this too? Is this odd? Oh, it's uh, odd, but I loved
1: it. <laughs> I, I, it's odd, okay. But I I really I was like, whoa! Again, not not a song at all. I expected you to put on any playlist the of a band that you were claiming as underrated. I wondered. Um, as to why it was called Tin Drum, because I've heard of the book. I didn't realise that there was a film in 79 which won the Pandore as mm. well and wondered if you'd seen it. And, I uh, not Yeah, so I, I, I did wonder, because it's meant to be a classic, isn't it? Um, yeah, what a sideways shift. Much wonkier post-punk and jazz uh, I really like is it a woman warbling and I don't know
0: what uh, yeah yeah because
1: I think she, there's another female or female sounding vocal mm. in another song yeah, yeah. and the unexpected guitar solo <laughs> uh, especially like those two things by themselves and then contrasted with his i've put very open throated voice uh yeah i I i it's one that you have to be in the mood for and definitely one that you need repeated listens for but i I loved it
0: I should mention that um the guitar player had left. Um, before this album, so he left after Gentlemen Take Polls* for, for good reason because they're playing far too much Simpson, not enough guitar. So, yeah, like, oh, this is why this album sounds different again because you know it's, it's just bass keyboards most of the time mm-hmm. and Steve Jansen's percussion, but yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, again, you know, like I like was saying with some of the Span about songs. I think they had like loads of teenage fans. It's like this is really fucking different music. Do you know what I mean?
1: Like oh, this but, isn't One Direction. But <laughs> if you, if you were a pretentious teen, my god, yeah, this band be perfect because that's it. They, you know, if you're a pretentious teen, this is pre-internet, right? It's pre-internet, but you can still, I guess, see them on top of the pops or like they're in the music. You know, mm. they're, they're not completely inaccessible, and yet what they're doing is quite out there. Uh, and and again, yeah, looking very art. I saw, I think. The music video for for Quiet Life and Ghosts and uh, and yeah, they look very arty and I'm, I'm sure coming across them as you did it must have been mind blowing.
0: The the the, the album cover is just David. Uh, sat in some sort of like Japanese eating. Uh... But
1: there's a picture of Mao as well. Yeah, yeah, so...
0: yeah. <laughs> eating rice. It's a bit too on the nose, too fair for yeah. Bangkok, Japan. But hey,
1: I mean, they have a song called like Communist China or something. And, yeah, yeah, and
0: obviously Life in Tokyo. I don't know yeah. if that's on, that they're being forced to do that. Who knows? But um, well,
1: speaking of locations. <laughs> yes.
0: So on to track four, we have European Sun. So I mentioned that they sound a bit like George M. Rode, um and he w- was actually um, offered. This to produce, but he preferred life in Tokyo, so he turned this down. So this became the B side. Um, but I enjoy the bass and Simps dancing around. His vocals seem slightly more urgent, um, than like maybe. Quiet life um and we're now going to move on to some horns so this has sax blasts is what i'm going to call them <laughs> it's not it's not a potential saxo It's a sax blast and it, it, again it could be shorter i think it may be four and a half minutes long and it should just be a three minute pop song if you're asking me but what do you think
1: so you said that quiet life was the poppiest i think this is the poppiest didn't? Oh, and really? most accessible yeah so this
0: was re-released and was a top 20 hit but after they would broken up so
1: <laughs> right yeah this seems to be a theme here um yeah i've written this is back to roxy music with some helicopter guitar sounds Mm -hmm. i enjoyed it i wrote it would be a lovely mid-tempo bop at the indie disco but it didn't stick with me right like whereas okay quiet life stuck with me somewhere like Mm -hmm. when i listen to it again i'm gonna be like yes this one i listened to it three times and i was like no it's um i I don't dislike it but There's something missing from it. I don't know what it is. Is it the horn blasts that are doing it too much? I I don't
0: know. So, yes, as a a new wave boy, this is my favourite era, is the... The synth edge, new wave sound. So this is another one um, similar to this method of, Methods uh, of Dance from Gentlemen Take Podwoods 1980. It has a great colours of sound to open it, and it's got a beautiful uh, keyboard riff. I've got no idea again what it's about. We have this mysterious female backing vocal I think you mentioned yeah. coming in. I've got I don't know what they're saying. The middle section, the middle section has this cool keyboard percussion breakdown. Um, it, and it's like yeah it's, it's, it's so much creativity but yeah it misses a hook that i think other bands of that era were doing that than yeah. that i said that's the problem with japan sorry. so so ideas sound it's brilliant but yeah it probably could have needed a little bit to push it maybe this was just an, an album track but by the way
1: yeah so i think this we're, we're halfway through the playlist and i think by this point especially with european sun and then um gentlemen take polaroids I did feel when when Methods of Dance came around, I was like, oh, they're kind of blending into one a little bit, obviously not Still Life in Mobile Homes. That was that was very different, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Because I I do, like I said, I do enjoy the atmosphere. Um, I really like the spacey intro in this song, but the horns are a bit much. But I was like, oh God, you know, I kind of hope it isn't, I, I hope that the rest of the playlist isn't going to be like this. And I knew that there were two more songs that I'd saved. So I was like, I, I think I'll enjoy them. Um, but definitely yeah uh, I, I think one of my lesser favorites on the playlist
0: that's right nice over underrated over underrated so, yeah, so to their most popular song, most well known song in the UK at least, and the song the song that I first discovered, um, yeah, this is Ghosts from Tindrum, um, their biggest single. I mean, yeah, this guy's is the sound of a hit single in the 1980s. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, this is, you know, uh, haunting is the word I'm sure what every person's uh, used to describe this track. Yeah, uh, it's mad that this was on Todd Pops. It's three guys playing keyboards. I think it's a, is it a marimba or is it a glockenspiel? Oh,
1: I don't
0: know. A fancy glockenspiel, and right. his like and his like you no know, sexy, uh, haunting vocal, and hmm. it just blew me away. I, I don't think I'd I ever heard anything like it, or maybe since. And the chorus, the din just as a yeah it scots me straight away and, you know, and it's haunted me ever since terrible pun Eww. so yeah so yeah so when i bought tin drum i wanted to hear 10 versions of a song and you don't mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is a one-off for japan so what's your thoughts
1: so when it started playing i was like i saved this song because it's, it's just, <laughs> this is one of them because it's such a jarring beginning mm. and the sense is so bizarre and i was thinking like god this isn't just can't get enough right or other other songs from the era but as you say when the just when i think i'm winning when i've broken Mm. every door starts it kind of brings everything together and makes the song make sense Mm. so this is so obviously a song about isolation and feeling alienated so when that comes in and it becomes very obvious that's what it's about you're like of course um but again uh, it wasn't immediate for me i had to listen to it three times and Mm. i was like i do love this and once again frank cannot remember anything beyond that just when i think i'm winning when i've broken every door i need to go and listen to it again so clearly you get a lot of bang for your buck with japan but in this tiktok age uh no wonder you know not as many younger people are discovering them as other bands like spando ballet
0: uh give it give it enough it's a good live version i was going to um,
1: ask about that because it says uh, <laughs> that the, the wikipedia said the live version which can be heard on all on canvas is much longer with an unsettling intro added on to the beginning
0: because <laughs> yeah, this so, isn't
1: unsettling uh, enough okay <laughs>
0: but yeah before, before analog keyboards and this is before sampling
1: yeah madness
0: so I thought I'd give you a track to showcase how different they were when it started mm-hmm. and some people and including the band they fucking hate the series they hate their first two albums um, they were 18 years old they had long hair, makeup. They still thought it was 1973. They're basically the New York, for New York adults with, with a keyboard lesson. Um, <laughs> Rob Dean was a star player, and obviously three years later he's been ejected. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the chorus, keep on dancing. It's got kind of like a sly Family Stone version of the Get Up Can't Get much Higher. Um, yeah, but I like glam rock. I like keyboards, so for me it's a, it's a go. What's your thoughts?
1: uh i love this what a change what a punky song that mm. despite that packs a lot into four minutes and has three key changes uh <laughs> I, I was trying to figure it out and i'm like is it a And like i couldn't i couldn't quite figure it out so i think there are apart from the synths and the horns which hint at what's to come this mm. sounds like a completely different band completely completely different band i i would have believed it uh if you told me and yeah there's like a a review of the adolescent sex album which says that it snarls with leftover punk intent which i quite like a few glam rock riffs and a wealth of electronics that not only reach back to the band's youth but also predate much of what would explode out of the next wave of british underground yeah a hundred percent um and yeah it always makes me sad when bands completely dismiss previous work that i quite like like I, i always think of these new puritans and elvis and it's like yeah okay like you know, a V Island song is not that, but that you can have you can have both songs coexisting, that's absolutely fine. Um uh, and I was thinking like, yeah, that's probably one that they very quickly abandoned in the live set and mm. um David Sylvan doesn't play either but yeah I think it's really great and really made me want to go check out this album
0: but luckily it, it, it was a kind of hit in Japan so it meant that the, the band didn't break up after that one album
1: the problem with Japan as well is that it always makes me think of a song big in Japan which makes me think yeah of everyone says that. so for the for the longest time I thought Japan was Alphaville which is yeah yeah right
0: I asked for one of the, if I mentioned Japan they would say oh did they sing the song big in Japan yeah. no they didn't sing that they sang life in Tokyo which is <laughs> the next song on the playlist. <laughs> So before Daft Punk, George Mroder collaborated with many '80s artists, including the including the Human League. I'm talking to our TikTok fans who (laughs) may have not known that he existed before Daft Punk. So yeah, so he collaborated with with Human League, and he also collaborated with Japan. So he turned down European Sun for this, and it's got that bomb bomb bass. Life is cruel in Tokyo, apparently. I don't know. Who knows? Um, The middle section is an unusual blessing but this yeah this with Quiet life is probably one of the most catchy songs they did i do like it a lot it, although it does miss something i don't know what's missing it's missing something but maybe you can tell me what it is
1: yeah i, I don't think i know what it is but I, I agree like yeah you can definitely you said the giorgio Moroder arpeggios mm. right you can definitely hear that in the in the song and the chorus i wrote easily get stuck in your head but again fran just gonna keep repeating i cannot remember what this sounds Come like
0: on. oh 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 life can be cruel life in tokyo that's pretty good that's pretty good
1: um uh yeah i thought this one was catchy in not such a good way but i like the weird horn section here so here horns are good
0: yeah it's an unusual middle section okay 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 yeah you can hear again Duran Duran the kind of Mm. borrowing from the ideas on this track definitely
1: And yeah, I was really surprised to read about how many times the song was released (laughs) because it was released as a seven inch. Then it released twice again until it became a hit on the UK singles chart in 1982 which is madness.
0: So, yeah, so basically the, the record label who dropped them then found out they're big. So they thought, oh, okay, let's uh, make some money back. And, yeah, they basically yeah. released everything they did before that they were signed to Virgin. Oh, yeah. So we're now on to um, another song from Tin Drum with a single called A Vision of China. You can you can hear the theme of the And uh, this has got that bass line. Mm-hmm. It's got that, that weird Eastern keyboard sound, so I kind of mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. It's got some beautiful percussion um Again, as a kid, this I couldn't get my head around this song. Uh, I, w- I wanted to hear Ghosts. I'm like, well, what is this? But when it gets to the we walk backwards, say nothing, I loved it. What do you think?
1: I think this is a post-punk angular marvel. It is a song oh. I had previously saved. Despite the fact that, kind of thinking about it, the verses and the chorus don't really gel together <laughs> naturally. But for me, it works. I really like the way he uses Silence because there's, there's a gap and you really, there's an expectation there. You're waiting for it to come back. Um, and the, the percussion is really great. And once again, you look at the fact that this was released in 1981 and you're like mind blown uh, really <laughs> on, on how innovative they were and how they so obviously influenced so many people. And uh, yeah, I wrote that um, David wrote it in collaboration with his brother Steve, this one, uh, Unusually. And it's written from the perspective of a young soldier in the Chinese Red Army dealing with his naivety and innocence uh, after the Great Leap Forward. So, there we go. Not a love song.
0: Tim Burgess from the Charlatans on, on Twitter over lockdown. I think he sort of does a listening party and does an album in full. Mm-hmm. And Steve Janssen, the tin drum. Mm-hmm. So, nice. if you wanted some in-depth uh, chat on Japan, that's one of the only times you'll hear it because they barely get interviewed. So, surprised he did it. Mm-hmm. But, hey, lockdown happened. We all, we're all bored. And then... Moving on to the final track, and it was a uh, it was a hard thing for me to make because I don't know which Japan to give you, really. And I kind of thought, because you like Dran drum, I thought I'd give you more of the synth-based new wave sounds. Mm. turns out I should have given you more tin drum. Um, so I've given you um, Taking Islands from Africa, f- again from Gentleman. Take Polaroid to 1980, and yeah, this was a last-minute replacement. They dropped a song because I thought it sounded too similar to a previous effort. So, um, yeah, David just, just gave this and it's like almost an, an instrumental song it could be. Um, it's just him playing this keyboard Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like a, a, a brilliant soundtrack from maybe Tomorrow's World the TV show back in those days it's got an, an interesting lyric I don't know what he's talking about taking on mm-hmm. from Africa I hope is not on about imperialism I don't know um, but yeah it's, I also gave it the Steve Nye remix because it's about 30 seconds shorter so if you do hate it you owe me a drink and yeah I, I used to dance around this with my silk scarf being a potential 17 year old what are your thoughts? love
1: to hear about it <laughs> um, so yeah I was wondering who Steve Nye was because you gave me I Steve think Nye. he's the
0: producer of the of the of the album. And I also
1: a member of the Penguin Cafe Orchestra by the way which uh, uh, yes. made me chuckle. Um and yeah I was going to ask you why you gave me the remix uh instead of the original. So when when I first heard this I was like why the hell has Fran finished with this? Uh but I think <laughs> more than any other song this well, well, well maybe still "Life in my well homes this really grew on me this really really grew on me on on re-listens it i, I think again maybe because it's about islands I love, I love that but the guitar interplay with the synths works really well and it's it's like a dreamlike journey and the way that it ends you know after you know all this atmosphere is created all these instruments with him just saying the wind blows hard into my sails it's just him in the percussion beautiful loved it 10 out of 10.
0: Wowzers! Is... Yeah, I, yeah, you are you are a fan of electronic music, so I thought maybe you might like it. But again, it's, you know, it's another side of Japan, so mm-hmm. I thought I'd I'd show you all of the sides of Japan. But, after
1: but after... I, I swear to you, Fran, every single song that I liked on here, I needed to listen to at least three or four times. It was it, it's 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 not an easy listen actually. And sometimes I don't know. I'm thinking of British Sea Power. Right? I, I thought about British mm. Sea Power a lot while listening to this because I I found it hard to re-listen to them. And with some songs on here, you know, maybe the second time I, I I didn't like it, but there were so many songs where you know I just needed that third, or on the second it, it just unlocked something. Um, so yeah, it was it was a real treat and a pleasure to be honest, because yeah, I really feel like I I've learned more about the history of of new wave and. Um, some some British pioneers and there's a lot of great songs there that I'm not going to get sick of anytime soon because clearly I forget them within 10 minutes of listening to them so thank you very much <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know I, I guess it's quite interesting that they never went for the, the easy, easy Cash tour because mm. you know over the past 40 years lots of people are on those lists saying oh which band would you like to see live or which band want like to reform and before Mick Kahn died in 2011 mm. it was Japan and they never did it you know so mm-hmm. I mean I'm, 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 I'm sad but I guess you know it's kudos to, to Dave for, to say no nope. That's a band in the past. I'm not going to do it at all to get some easy money. Mm-hmm. But I've never met anyone in my entire life who likes Japan. Well, um, I'm,
1: Fran, my name is Barbara well, maybe, and I like maybe, Japan. Maybe. <laughs> I like
0: <Japan. laughs> I just think, like, like I said, yeah, I mean, if they haven't got a classic album, even Tin Drum, I own like half of it. But when they're great, I am fucking adore them. I love how they look. I love the artwork. I was going to
1: say, I wonder yeah. how much, knowing, knowing you, knowing you, I wonder how much how they look has influenced you liking them because I was really surprised with some of the songs that you included on here. A lot of them are very, I would say, anti-melodic and very, very angular. And I mean, we all like a bit of wonky rock and wonky pop, but there, <laughs> there was a lot happening there. And I was like, okay, there are synths and it is very innovative. But I, yeah, I was really surprised that this would be, you know, one of the bands close to your heart.
0: Well, you can never write them off. But no, British Seapower, again, they, they have some very... Uh, angular, uh, uh melodic songs, but I like bands who I guess are a, 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 a little bit different. So you know, when I did see Ghosts, I mean, yeah, they looked nothing or sounded nothing like what was on TV back in 1996. Mm. So I am always attracted to something a, a bit different. Mm. Um, yeah, so um, and that's probably why I gave them more time than I should have. You know, like like because I wanted them to be great, I probably listened to Tin Drum four or five times rather than just, once you know, it the ones. If it's, if it's a Spotify generation, yeah, I would probably exactly. listen to 10 drama for, oh, this is shit. I
1: mean, let me go and look at the, the timings of when I saved the songs because I, I feel that they're a band that I constantly, like, click on and I'm like, no, but I should know. So, oh, yeah, so I saved two songs in 2016, one song in 2017 and one song in
0: 2018. So clearly at different but times...
1: I, had, I wonder how you came across those, though. Um normally it's related artists or or would it be, because it's an 80s band that are meant to be one of the good ones and i'm always trying to I'm, I'm constantly constantly going back to to 80s music even though um you don't do hurdles do you fran uh i'm i'm really shit on the 80s so there's there's the main one there's a 70s 80s and 90s one I've, I've just discovered the '70s one, and the '80s one I'm doing absolutely appallingly on. Whereas on the, <laughs> the normal one, I'm absolutely fucking smashing it. So I did. Yeah. I did
0: one. I did one of them and it was a five and I got it. One, I got was it, 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 it Slam Dunk to Funk? Yeah. Yeah, yep. yep.
1: yep. but, exactly. But
0: I've, not, I've not been back. I thought I'll leave on a high.
1: <laughs> and, and, and what a high that is. Um, one question before we wrap up. I was surprised that you didn't include any David Sylvian solo stuff. Was that conscious or is that another episode? <laughs>
0: I, I think you have to separate the bands mm-hmm. um, because he sounds so different. Okay. to japan and even though japan sounds so different to japan half the time Mm-mm. um yeah it's, it's a very much different world in uh, and i i obviously i'm so desperate to continue my japan um journey that i tried so hard to listen to his solo work and he has three good albums but we're talking about what a 30-year career so mm. it sometimes is like yeah this is us too much David. sorry
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> well there we go but yeah, uh, if you ask me the question, what, yeah, really underrated. I think on Spotify, most of their main songs have over a million plays, which surprised me, but they have less than 800,000 monthly listeners. And um, yeah, I would say they're underrated, even though I can understand why they, they would be mm-hmm. underrated. I guess not everyone is interested in knowing what the inspiration is for for the other bigger bands of the decade and a lot of the stuff i mean like if you if you're playing japan if if you're like all right i'm gonna play you a japan song and you play still life in mobile homes i can understand why yeah. as much as i enjoy that song i can understand i not be like yeah no this is not really for me <laughs>
0: um
1: and yeah i i think because i knew he was quite a handsome man i deliberately kind of didn't watch any i wanted to listen to the songs without watching any videos first and i think it's a very different atmosphere if you're watching the these very kind of slick beautiful men playing instruments um and yeah some of the videos the camera angles are quite interesting and modern it seems to to me as well so that definitely adds to it but uh yeah no thank you thank you for this introduction i will definitely go and listen and Hopefully, you know, next time we talk, I can hum a tune <laughs> <by them. laughs>
0: Well, Well, maybe um, listen, uh, watch on YouTube the Oil in Canvas mm. uh, tour. It's a fun tour. Not just for you to listen to Japan, but to see Mick Khan perform. Mm. Because he has an interesting, interesting dance technique. So he plays his bass really high up mm-hmm. with a rose usually tucked into the strings. Oh. And then he will crab-like walk back and forth across the stage okay with a straight face and it's fucking bizarre is he just like and getting
1: his uh, crunches in you know he's getting his squats i don't know but yeah. it's like it
0: just, and he slides left and right back back and, forth, back and forth as a crab and like i'm thinking does someone tell me that that's cool because it does look pretty shit and, it does, <laughs> and i wanted to watch it and then think oh interesting choice uh mick but yeah Mm-hmm. as a bassist maybe that's just something you can do in the future I mean, whilst playing it's hard
1: enough playing just, bass, just, bass mate like just Ooh.
0: glide glide left and
1: right. i mean really like that's that's what i do in my work in my low impact workout so i don't fuck up my foot again i do like the crab walking you know the like the squat walk like i don't want to be playing bass <laughs> at the same time thank you but uh but yeah i think a lot of youtube comments that i saw were saying rip mick as well um i guess yeah i i hadn't realized who he was um although he passed away but yeah david Sylvian seems like a bit of a character as well and maybe not always in the good sense. you know maybe he rubbed people up the wrong way probably doesn't make friends with journalists easily i, I don't know
0: yeah um, it's, i mean if you try to find like you know uh interviews of david Silver in japan good luck okay. and i've probably seen all three of them and that's a shame about, about japan and was like there's not much on it because you know they like i said that they broke up before they became big so there's especially the early work there's Maybe a couple of German TV shows, and that's it really. Wow. A shame. A shame. But there we go. Oh, one second. What you mentioned uh, Spotify for Japan. Can I compare it to Spanner Ballet? oh yeah. So Spando Ballet
1: is. Um, I wrote this down. Three point six million.
0: So, yeah, so five times more popular.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, four. Four ish. Because it's. I think. I think they've got seven hundred and something thousand. Oh, okay. Seven hundred eighty nine possibly, and Spander Ballet three point six million.
0: So un- underrated, from, yeah, for me, Talk Talk and Japan are always my underrated Oh, That was,
1: was, oh, was going to be my next question, because, right, Talk Talk, beyond two or three songs, are one of those bands that I I know, yeah, they're a bit weird, and everyone goes on and bangs on about the spirit of Eden, is it, and, and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. I never quite got into it, despite really enjoying their mainstream hits. Like, are, is it very easy to compare those two bands?
0: Similar in a way of how much they change per album. so. Okay. The, the day album by Talk Talk and Spirit of Eden is, again, it's a different fucking band. Mm-hmm. So Talk Talk, when it started, were a Duran Duran rip off, and even told a Duran Duran. By the time it came to Spirit of Eden, they were doing jazz improvised songs which started eight minutes. Mm, um, I think that's so, maybe yeah. why it scared me <laughs> off.
1: I, I, I don't know. Normally that would scare me off, but with Talk Talk, it doesn't. No, I think no, because not, they have pop yeah. bones, clearly.
0: And also, so Spirit of Eden, as a Talk Talk fan, was the hardest thing for me. And I had to pull the tape on my walk back and forth from college and by the fourth walk I fucking loved it because it's one of the most beautiful albums you'll ever hear. I know I, I hear this. No pa- no but that I hear sounds this. terrible, but it, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um and the more you listen to it the more things you'll you'll get from it. So it's say so it's not it's not a Spotify album. You literally have to put maybe on a train journey or a long walk mm-hmm. and then play it from start to finish and you may find find something from it you but like.
1: This is the thing. I, I totally get that sentiment, right? And so many of the bands that I like it takes a lot of repeated listens, and as you say, sometimes when you want to like something, you give it more of a chance, and or then you start associating it with something else. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they're just like, "But I just want the music to be good and nice." Um, <laughs> yes. But I mean, even I mean, I try to think of not necessarily this, but maybe the first time you heard Lady Gaga, you didn't like it. You know, you had to you had to do it on Like I, I remember, uh, I might mention this before, but I remember when. Um, baby one more time came out by britney spears a girl at school came in and she was like oh did you see that song that was on the national lottery and she sang it to me and i was like this sounds like what what are you talking about like what the lyrics so you know even even big pop stars sometimes it's it's repeated listenings that you will get because you're listening to the radio or in this day and age Mm -hmm. on social media um so yeah i i think if there's something with with when it comes to japan at least and i i think when it comes to talk talk I, I think it's it's a band worth um worth exploring and yeah i'm glad that you you know you, you this pushed my attention span beyond just saving a song at a t- you know listening to a bit saving a song at the time and really giving them a go um and I, I will say half of this half of the prep for this playlist was done while i was cooking in line Jada lawson at cheddar cheese risotto so i don't know if that's why my memory was so what, bad
0: and what's your final review of the uh, although,
1: oh it's great it's uh oh, it's cool. a it's a go-to recipe of mine um because it's really piss easy you just need a cheese and some leeks and stirring some risotto rice and some stock um and because i have quite a busy work week coming up i've made like a big big batch of it and it's going to mm-hmm. be a meal on and off for the next four days so there we go little insight
0: <laughs> well i'm glad that you have listened to some more japan and hopefully somebody out there will also listen to a little bit more japan
1: no absolutely not and uh even if you listen to ghosts and you think this is not for me, listen, go and look at David Sylvian's face. That's that's all I can say. <laughs> you will you will derive pleasure that way, I'm sure, heterosexual or not, whatever gender you are. <laughs>
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for your subscriptions and your likes and keep coming. And if you enjoyed this, we do talk about other 80s bands. We've discussed Depeche Mode. We've discussed, discussed Crowded House.
1: Gid Row and, um, and, and 70s bands that were also in the 80s like Stranglers and Ramones. There we go. So there we go. I don't know about you, Fran, but I can't believe that we're in our fifth season. That's pretty fucking cool. So thank you to everyone who... Who keeps listening and the increasing amount of people giving us feedback, even when it is my friend Richard saying, why did you talk about Burger King and Domino's for such a long time at the beginning of one of your episodes? (laughs) Yeah, we did. He was like, yeah, interesting episode, but why were you talking about fast food for such a long time? Hey, listen, we we don't just talk about the music, right? (laughs) We don't talk too much about our personal lives, but it's nice to get insight, right? Right, Mm -hmm, right. mm -hmm, Don't write mm -hmm. in if not. Okay. (laughs) Oh, hang on, hang on. Bye.
0: Yeah. I'll cut myself and say goodbye. (laughs) Another perfect ending. Thank you so much for completing the podcast. Well, unless you like skip to this bit, but that would be a bit mad. But thank you anyway. Japan, span the ballet. Let us know on our social media which one you think is over or underrated. You can find us on Twitter at oumutepod, on Instagram with over underrated music pod and you can email us on over underrated music pod at gmail.com thanks to mark abbott for the logo and thank you babs until next time guys bye bye